Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. It's Tuesday, November the 28th, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Earlier today, Tánaiste Francis Fitzgerald resigned from the government hours ahead of a no-confidence motion because of revelations about interactions with the Garda Síochána over its legal strategy towards whistleblower Morris McCabe while she was Minister for Justice. In a statement to the Dáil this afternoon, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said that Fitzgerald was leaving office without getting a full and fair hearing, but that the work of government could not be interrupted. That resignation brings to an end a week of turmoil in Leicester House, in which a snap general election in the week before Christmas at times seemed very possible. I was joined this evening by Pat Leahy and Harry McGee of our political staff, who've been following the twists and turns of this, the first full-blown crisis of Leo Varadkar's government. Gentlemen, you've both been spending the day and indeed, you know, the last few days in the in the confines of Leinster House. Uh, quite a special day up there today, Harry. Yeah, it's one of those rare occasions where Everybody is uh, a buzz and a, a flutter, and um, it was extra- it was a very dramatic day because I mean we had the, the fate of a, of a very senior minister uh, at play, and uh, the drama played out. It could have played out in two ways. We could have had a general election, or the second um, way, which is the more accepted mar- narrative. Even though Leo Varadkar didn't believe it uh, for uh, five or six days, is that somebody was going to have to walk the plank, and we witnessed uh, Francis Fitzgerald walking the plank today, and then we saw the consequences of that and the uh, the uh, fallout. Uh, the Taoiseach complained uh, that there was kind of a, a drip drip of information uh, that made things seem more serious than they were and he blamed a, a feeding uh, frenzy. He was kind of rueful, uh, humbled, um, uh, slightly dejected and defeated, I thought, in his contribution today. He also said that if everything had come out uh, three weeks ago, uh, that we wouldn't have had the scenario that we had today. But I'm not quite so sure uh, about that because there was a, uh, a basic uh, contradiction or dichotomy there. There was a kind of a public uh, attitude towards Morris McCabe back in 2015 in that he was a good guy and he had brought the attention of people uh, to all of these uh, serious inadequacies within the Gorda Shirkona, whereas at the same time, uh, internally, uh, the Department of Justice were made aware uh, uh, that uh, the Gorda Shirkona were pursuing an aggressive strategy against them. And it wasn't just one communication, it wasn't just two communications. Uh, by the time all the dust had settled yesterday, we had learned that there were five distinct, discrete and separate uh, communications. And the, uh, the cumulative effect of those was that her fate was uh, inevitable. And so I suppose that we, we just saw the drama being We can't ignore today. the fact that the, the, the disclosure of that, of, of that strategy of the, of the Gardaí um, Higgins is against the backdrop of uh, very serious allegations of, of a, a, a conspiracy, essentially, to try and undermine um, the credibility of of Morris McCabe's whistleblowing uh, within the Gardaí, which is what is the subject of the, of the Charlton Tribunal, isn't it, Pat? Well, the, the Charlton Tribunal is, uh, is investigating, I suppose, one aspect um, of that, but it's already uh, fairly well established um, in 
previous reports that there was uh, official hostility to Sergeant McCabe, both from within his own organisation and from within the Department of Justice. And, you know, sometimes you can delve too deeply into the detail of these things and get lost in the maze. I mean, it's also instructive sometimes to take a sort of helicopter view and say, uh, and, and, and wonder about a situation where you have somebody who was making allegations that uh, involved widespread criminality in some cases, uh, but certainly very serious malfeasance on behalf of uh, Gardaí of various ranks up to the most senior ranks. And he was then subjected to a campaign of alienation and vilification up to and including a possible attempt to put it no more strongly than that uh, either what uh, was either an attempt to uh, smear him with a false charge of child sexual abuse or uh, a crazy uh, and scarcely believable proce- uh, process of mistakes and coincidences that had the same was, effect was revived with the involvement of, of Tuzla as well yes yeah yeah, indeed, and we don't have time to to delve into in, into all that right here, right now. As to say, it's, it's very messy. Did, what but do you, but what? I, I suppose you know, just to get back to where we are today, then yeah. you know, is what we see today is the latest political casualty uh, in a saga that has spanned several years and previously multiple casualties, both in the official. In the Garda and in uh, and in the political sphere, and I think what that tells us is the extent of the official mistreatment of uh, Garda McCabe or of, of of Sergeant McCabe. But I suppose it also tells us that there is an effort to get to the bottom of this and to deal with it. Um, there are, I suppose, places, you know, where he, Sergeant McCabe's complaints would simply not have been entertained. Uh, in Ireland, what we have had is uh, attempts, half-hearted on occasion, unsuccessful uh, in others, uh, but constant attempts to hear what he had to say and uh, to vindicate his story. And the evidence of that, notwithstanding the fact that many of those processes have been flawed, but the evidence of that we take these things seriously is the trail of resignations, the latest of which we see today. So given all that, Harry, how is there any element of truth in what the Taoiseach said this afternoon when he said, actually, these were relatively minor events and it's because of a feeding frenzy or it's because of the way in which they came out that Francis Fitzgerald has been forced to depart. Well, well, on a human level, you must feel sorry for her because she she followed the advice and the advice said that she shouldn't become involved in the legal strategy of Ngorda Shiokona. But the problem is that when you look at it in terms of context, uh, we must remember, as Pat was saying, that, that her predecessor, Alan Shatter, had uh, resigned um, and afterwards he has been uh, exonerated uh, by the courts. Um, but he resigned because of the continuing controversy surrounding the allegations made by uh, Morris McCabe. And by the time she became Minister for Justice, you would have imagined that anything 
that mentioned Morris McCabe uh, would have drawn somebody's uh, attention to it and she couldn't recall uh, the email even though the email referred to a serious criminal uh, complaint and um, I think a lack of curiosity and uh, omission on a political level on an official level on a formal level she had no involvement uh, but the, as a politician I think your responsibilities go beyond that and um, you have to have the antenna up and be aware of uh, the, the, the the consequences the societal consequences and the, the other consequences of actions or inactions that are taken by a department and one of the things to me that seemed really interesting today was the the um, the, the level of criticism that was levelled at the Department of the Just, of Justice by Antisha was astonishing. Was yeah. unbelievable, and he again and again he returned to it. And twice he said he'd been brought into the Dáil and had misled the Dáil on the basis of uh, false information or a lack of information furnished by the Department of Justice. He was saying that that was inevitable. He said uh, it was unfortunate that a Charlie Flanagan. He kind of. Um, said he understood where Charlie Flanagan was coming for, from but he said that Charlie Flanagan would be going into the Dáil to apologise on behalf of the Department of Justice uh, later that evening. He announced that there's going to be an internal inquiry uh, into the Department of Justice that every uh, parliamentary question that has, sub- that has been submitted uh, will be subject to very rigorous scrutiny to make sure that all the information has been forthcoming and that the uh, recommendations of the Toland Report uh, which recommended far-reaching uh, uh, changes in the Department of Justice uh, be uh, implemented, so he and, saved. And have any of those recommendations been implemented yet? No, and no, if not, no, why not? not? Not so far. And what, what was evident for the past couple of weeks, actually looking back, I mean, the fact that there was a a um, request for discovery of documents by a tribunal of inquiry, uh, which has the same status as as any of the superior courts, and the Department of Justice didn't pony up the documents that were required. And uh, and then when Alan Kelly started asking very specific questions about very specific documents that the department had in his possession, he made reference in his parliamentary question to a document that was generated on the 15th of May. And it took a fortnight for them to produce that 15th of May document, which happened uh, to be the email. And the response that he got from Charlie Flanagan was risible uh, in the beginning, uh, where he not uh, not only uh, uh, denied uh, um, the the request, he wouldn't address the questions that were being asked, and then he had a good old go at uh, Alan Kelly in the Doyle, accusing him of smearing uh, uh, the, the Minister for Justice. And uh, everything that, I mean, Alan Kelly is sometimes prone uh, to over-egg things. He is not exactly nature's most timid flower. Yeah, but no, in, this in this instance, in this case. instance, he has proven to be correct in everything uh, that he raised back in the early days of November. I, I think that this will be one of the ways that this story and this affair carries on. A political resignation always deflates the situation. It takes the political stress out of it and there will be little political appetite for uh, for any reheating of these issues over, over the coming days. So I think, you know, the political danger, the political storm has passed. But at an administrative level and with regard to the civil service, one of the things that the Taoiseach said in the Dáil today, he said, you can be sure I'll be holding that department, that's the Department of Justice, and the senior officials in that department to account. Now, these senior officials are, you know, 
you know, readily identifiable through those emails. And I have never seen a Taoiseach being so specific, so pointed about the actions uh, or inactions of se- of senior officials in uh, in the doll before. Well, and hold I'm, on a sec, hold on a sec. The officials who were named in the email, just on the basis of them being named in the email, did nothing wrong because according to the Taoiseach, Francis Fitzgerald did nothing wrong. So any of the communications that take place, took place weren't wrong there. The, where the wrongdoing occurs is more recently, and, and I don't know what individuals might have been involved in those processes, or most recently in terms of dis- full disclosure to the tribunal and level of communication with, with their current minister, Mr. Flanagan, and ultimately with the Taoiseach. That's where their wrongdoing that he's talking about falls, isn't it? But, 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 but I, I wonder, to be honest, I think the tone of the Taoiseach's remarks about the Department of Justice and the fact that an independent review is set up, the fact that, you know, the uh, these matters will now be in, uh, inquired into by the Charlton Tribunal, suggests that there, certainly my impression from the Taoiseach's remarks in the Dáil today is that there's a bit of a reckoning coming for the Department of Justice. Now, wouldn't be the first time somebody has tried to do that, but given the manner and the political trauma of for Leo Varadkar of Francis Fitzgerald's departure and the circumstances of it, um, I think there is a, a, a bit of an appetite for significant change in the Department of Justice. Yeah, there was um, a tradition that the Irish Civil Service inherited from the British Civil Service and it was translated into Irish as Ruin Dangan, which is a, a very strong uh, secret and it was a tradition that pertained for many years but in the past 20 years especially since the introduction of the Freedom of Information Act and other pieces of legislation and more open government uh, we've seen it gradually being eroded but the last outpost has been the Department of Justice and perhaps it's because of the close relationship over the years between the Gorda Siakona and the Department of Justice a very you know both of them saw the IRA and the provisional movement and other distant Republican movements as, as a common enemy and both worked very closely together and there does seem to be a loyalty there and I, I think that that loyalty today in the context of a modern society uh, is, is just not working because it's 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 they, they are information was suppressed. I don't know if it was suppressed deliberately, but it was suppressed. And the the fact that the information was not made available is what is unacceptable. I find it really difficult to understand that Finchin O'Toole has a strong piece on our website at the moment, which people can read. I find it very difficult to understand in an era of modern technology how you can't have had full disclosure of the emails which we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Yes, and they could have been lost or that, mislaid or well, somehow presumably, not noticed. Pr- pr- presumably they they could have, and there may be an innocent uh, or incompetent uh, in explanation to all of this. What seems completely remarkable, though, is that the emails that should, by accident, be overlooked, are the very emails that point to official and political knowledge of the strategy employed against Sergeant McCabe, which is precisely one of the things that uh, the Charlton Tribunal is inquiring into. Now, that may be a coincidence, but it's a hell of a coincidence. Let's move on to the politics of it. What was Leo Varadkar thinking over the, over the last four or five days? Did he want an election? Did he think he had the upper hand so strongly that he didn't need to cave in so much? Harry started off by talking about he went up to Leinster House today and it was either, you know, either going to be there was either going to be a resignation or an election, essentially, I suppose, was the binary choice. But was there ever really a possibility of an election? There's no way he could have gone to the country on the basis of what's happened over the last twenty four hours. Did did he think he, he could? 
Well, the noises coming out of government buildings all last week were this uh, This is not serious and Fianna Fáil can't be serious about uh, uh, about seeking resignation of the Tornishta on, on something like this. And if they are, then we will have a general election. Now, that, that always seemed unlikely to me because on any occasion where a prime minister faces a choice between the head of a minister or the ending of the government. In circumstances where, you know, there is a charge against the minister which may be disputed but is not completely unreasonable, then the choice any prime minister makes is always to sacrifice the minister to save the government because, obviously... If he doesn't do that, then that minister and all of the other ministers lose their uh, lose their jobs. So I, I I couldn't understand the approach that Leo Varadkar took to this from day one. If it was based on the assumption that Michal Martin was not being serious, then I think it was a mistaken uh, assumption. If it was based on uh, the idea that Fine Gael was ready to fight an election, then that was, and that there would be public tolerance for an election, that one was, I think, disproved when Fine Gael TDs reported back from their constituencies. Well, that's a serious misreading of his own party and of the electorate then, isn't it? On Uh, his part. uh, And if it was based on a belief that Francis Fitzgerald had done absolutely nothing wrong, then that, it seems to me, was, uh, was... based on a misreading of the facts uh, of the case that were more available to the Taoiseach than to anybody else. The handling of it, it seems to me, has betrayed a fondness for tactics over strategy. So the the Taoiseach, in response to Fianna Fáil's call uh, last week on Thursday for the Tony to resign. It's first such public call, though he had been previously privately informed that was Fianna Fáil's requirement. He responded with a meeting of the uh, of the Fianna Fáil, or the Fianna Gael parliamentary party telling them to prepare for an election. He, you know, uh, they let it be known that they were prepared to go to the park um, and seek a dissolution of the Dáil on Friday. He uh, called a meeting of his party's national executive and, uh, and told people about it on the, or their executive council on the Saturday morning so all kinds to prepare. Of warlike noises, all, really. Exactly. Yeah. But to what end, to what broader strategic end in terms of his management of the thing, I I, I couldn't see. And maybe it was a brilliant strategy that just hasn't well, come off well, well, or maybe there was well, no strategy at all. Can I ask you, did it almost work? Because you know, in the middle of Monday afternoon, all the, the noises, all the atmospherics were about some kind of a messy, woody compromise that might involve her stepping aside for a while and some commitment to review what had happened. And that seemed to be very much in the air and possible right up until seven o'clock when the, the Until the publication of the so emails. So he got there. Uh, but he was aware of the contents of the emails from Saturday morning. Mm. Yet he still continued... Uh, he still continued with his with his previous strategy. I'm puzzled by the whole thing. I have to say, is he greatly weakened, Harry? I, I think he is um, weakened. I think that of the three options laid out by uh, Pat there, I think I would have gone with the third one that he thought there wasn't enough evidence there uh, to um, to metaphorically uh, leave out his tarnish to uh, to uh, to to dry. So he he uh, he. he 
the problem with the game of brinkmanship that he played with Michal Martin is that um, he either wasn't in possession of all the knowledge or if he was in possession of all the knowledge he didn't um, really fully think through uh, the consequences of that knowledge because um, it was the existence of the other three emails last night that really pushed it over the edge and very much in the favour of, uh, of, of Michal uh, Martin. So uh, if he had pursued that strategy in the full knowledge that these three emails he knew they existed, but if he knew the contents of, of them, he, he should have realised that that would have considerably weakened his hand, yet he persevered. Whereas Fianna Fáil didn't know. Fianna Fáil just didn't know what information, if any, was in the Taoiseach's disposal. So that's why that they were possibly looking for a compromise over the weekend. So when the, um, when the emails came out last night, things just changed considerably in their favour. And they knew that there was that, that Francis Fitzgerald's resignation would be inevitable once that moment passed. So this morning, when I went to the Dáil, every TD I spoke to, from, from irrespective of which party, was saying that her, her resignation was inevitable and would happen by lunchtime. And so it came to pass. Because they knew, they, they knew in light of what had happened uh, yesterday evening. And you're right. I mean, I think the reason why uh, Fianna Fáil might have been prepared to compromise over the course of the weekend is that they didn't know about the other information. So the electoral consequences, I, I think, of course, the Taoiseach is damaged uh, in the short term, but we've seen Tishi being damaged before and in the medium to long term recovering from it and people kind of forgetting about it. But at this moment in time, Leo Fradker is definitely damaged and Michal Martin is in a very strong position within his own party. And we've just got some breaking news in about the Secretary General of the Department of Justice, Pat. Yeah, Noel Waters has um, announced that he is resigning, effective immediately. Uh, Two weeks ago, he informed the government that he would be retiring when he reached 40 years service. That is in uh, February. We were assured at that time that this was a complete coincidence. Am I right in saying that he informed Charlie Flanagan, his minister, of that in the same phone call that he informed him of the existence of one of these emails? Yes. Yes. Exactly the same conversation. That's why Charlie Flanagan says he forgets because uh, he was so taken aback by the news he got from Noel Waters that he was retiring that he kind of ignored the other piece of salient information uh, that he had received. Amongst the many coincidences that we're being asked to believe in this this particular tale is that his resignation or his announcement of his forthcoming resignation uh, forthcoming retirement two weeks ago was utterly unconnected to any of the uh, events which have so transfixed us for the past right, well, three weeks. Really but I don't imagine that today's resignation is a coincidence. Oh, I don't think no, that is I think, unco- I think I don't that would think be really a coincidence too far, too far yeah, away. Yeah. Uh, we, we were talking, with the clock is ticking us because I know you gentlemen are extremely busy this evening and you have many words to write. Um, but we were talking about the political implications of this. Um, Leo Varadkar's capital political capital as a as a young fresh new Taoiseach has been damaged um, his ability our knowledge of his ability to read a situation perhaps he doesn't doesn't look so hot at this point yeah. he has a strategic communications unit uh, neither his strategies nor his communications looked so good lately perhaps that's why he, he needed to uh, uh, he needed to establish one but um, yeah I think that Leo Varadkar is damaged by this affair there's no there's no question about that. He's damaged in the political world in which he must operate. He's damaged with his own 
party who will question who elected him on the in the hope and expectation that he would be uh, you know uh, that he would be an electoral wizard for them that he would reach parts of the electorate that were previously unavailable to uh, to Fine Gael that he would be a young fresh leader that could communicate uh, in a way that previous leaders of Fine Gael couldn't and I think that faith will be dented a bit by this they'll also question his judgment and his management uh, his political management after um, after recent weeks at the same time politics is essentially forward looking and in the not too distant future you know once you get past Christmas this will seem pretty much in the rear view mirror and he will be judged in the next election not on this sort of thing I think I mean if you look if you think back Bertie Ahern all political leaders find it very difficult to sack people or to accept their resignations even when they uh, even when they don't like them I mean how many ministers did Bertie Ahern have to dispatch and every time it was said that oh Mr Ahern is damaged by this and maybe he was in some sort of way but it didn't stop him from connecting with the public at election time and didn't stop him winning subsequent majorities so we should bear that in mind but I think certainly without a shadow of a doubt the novel gloss has gone awfully over Adkar a bit. And then in terms of that looking forward question then, Harry, uh, when this thing was in full flow over the last week or so, uh, I heard quite a lot of people saying, even if they get through this, the government's damaged and it's not going to last as long as it would have previously and we'll have an election in the first three months of, of 2018. Is that still the case in your view? I, I'd very much agree with what Pat has said. I mean, so many times in the past where you see some minister embroiled in a scandal and say, oh, the Taoiseach is in trouble now. And then a couple of weeks later, you can't, you can, not only do you not, he's not, no longer in trouble, you can hardly remember the That's event. you guys have goldfish memories. We absolutely, yeah. We will kind of remember this event. We've got but the internet. It will, it, will, <laughs> it will fade from memory. Um, the... the I, I, there won't be an election um, soon. I think what will happen is that, that, that Fianna Fáil will probably look towards a slightly earlier election than perhaps anticipated and may look for an election sometime in early summer, perhaps during May and June might. Uh, but then they, they, they might not. I mean, I think... Contiguous the with the referendum on the Eighth Amendment. Well, I think maybe afterwards. Maybe they'll wait for the referendum to happen and then they, they will come back um, maybe couple of weeks later and look for it. But then, you know, they, they, they might, things might have settled down by then and we, we might be waiting another year for, for an election. It's very hard to say. This, it this depends well how well Michal Martin thinks his prospects have been approved or affected by this. Uh, I, event, I think, to be honest, I think that today's uh, events, the events of the past week, uh, do bring forward an election. Um, I've always thought that an election was eminently possible in the first half of next year. Uh, I think that likelihood is increased by a couple of factors. Um, I think Fianna Fáil will be much less wary of uh, Leo Varadkar after this. Um, they will feel that they have his measure a bit and they won't be as afraid so of pitching themselves bit. into an election uh, with him. Also, there's now an electoral arms race underway. So neither party was ready for an election this week. Could they have fought it? Well, of course, they could have. Um, but uh, come the new year, you will see the preparations that were kick-started in the last week will continue uh, Will continue apace. And so the parties will be in a much higher state of readiness to fight an election by the time you get to February or March. And that means that the sort of go to the and come back exercise that we've seen 
in the last uh, uh, in the last week is less likely next time they go to the brink I suspect um, uh, I suspect that they'll uh, I suspect that they'll go over it Can I ask one last question now, it's this we were told an awful lot over the last few days that one of the reasons not to have an election at this time of all times was because the nation's future hung in the balance we had this crucial EU summit on December the 15th it was Ireland's last chance to make its mark on the Brexit process uh, in, a, in, in, a, in using its veto if necessary it was high stakes poker it was the most important you know incident in the history of the state and we were told that the government was playing its cards well that it knew what it wanted and it had its allies on its side and it knew where it wanted to get to and I look at the last week and I look at the behaviour of the top of the government and it doesn't look like a very good set of poker players Well, I think one of the interesting things that Micheál Martin said today in the Dáil is he said that on Brexit, uh, the view of both parties is aligned. And anything that the Taoiseach does on behalf, uh, he was being uh, a little bit, he was trying to be collegiate in terms of the approach to, to, to Brexit. I think the, the government's approach to Brexit has been quite good in fairness to it I think there's been a huge effort put in I think the government has thought through all the consequences and has approached it with um, with uh, a sense of purpose uh, Pat was talking about tactics and strategy I think they've got both the tactics well maybe not the tactics right all the time but they seem certainly have the overall strategy more more correct especially in comparison to our uh, nearest um, uh, neighbours um, but um, you know Will will the Taoiseach be weakened by the fact that he's had such a, a pro week? I don't think so. I think that um, I, I think that our approach Can he even be distracted at a crucial time because it is a no, crucial I don't, time I, right I, now. I actually uh, don't think our I don't think our approach to Brexit is going to change. I don't think this is going to have an influence on on Brexit. I think the big question from from, from my perspective is the, the timing of the election. I, I think Fianna Fáil would have to have a pretty good excuse to call an election before the. Uh, the referendum on the Eighth um, Amendment and get away with it, as, as I think, it were. I think one of the things, mm. to say two things, right? I think one of the things that the last week has demonstrated is that when it comes to when it comes to that primordial power struggle between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, which has been a central dynamic in Irish politics, uh, you know, since the 1920s, and as far as I can see, will continue to be that. Other issues, other national priorities tend to take a back seat. So Brexit, the people who are concerned uh, about Brexit warned that you couldn't have an election at the time of Brexit, yet both parties were prepared to do it if it came to that. Uh, the Eighth Amendment, people whose uh, principal campaigning concern is the repeal of the Eighth Amendment said they couldn't possibly have an election because it would derail plans for a referendum on the Eighth Amendment. It became apparent that the parties weren't uh, too concerned about that. And you could say the same of any other issue. So an election will, t- can, will take place. There'll always be reasons not to have it, um, but an election will take place when the two parties, when one of the two parties believes it is in its interests, its electoral interests, uh, to do so. Um, on the question of what does the last week, Leo Varadkar's management of the last week, tell us about, uh, tell us about his management of Brexit. I mean, you're playing two different games there. But I would hope that there is a greater strategic sense and a greater consistency and command of the game uh, being employed by Leo Varadkar and 
uh, the Irish officials when it comes to Brexit than he demonstrated in the last week. I expect that that is the case. But if it's not, I think there could be trouble ahead. I hope you're right. Thanks very much to Pat Leahy and Harry McGee for joining us. That's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon. And remember that you can subscribe to the Inside Politics podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. And you can always find us at irishtimes.com slash podcasts. And please do take a moment, if you can, to recommend or to share the show. Also, we do really value your feedback and your suggestions. And you can mail them directly to me at hlinhan at irishtimes.com or you can easily find me on Twitter. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.